The Bob McCowan Podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. McCowan and Shannon with you. This you is agree? one of my favorite days of the year, Bob. Monday? Monday, Hall of Fame Monday. Oh. For the Hockey Hall of Fame, it, it it is one of the great events on the hockey calendar, simply because everybody who goes to the event is there to celebrate. Everybody that goes there is not wins about not worried about wins or losses. Everybody wants to give each other a hug. Everybody wants to shake hands. It, it everybody wants to tell stories. It is a spectacular, spectacular night which is why it has had such great shelf life for the people at the Hall of Fame. It is it is a fun night to be around. Well, we're going to talk a bit about it with uh, Kevin Weeks, a former goaltender and uh, now with ESPN. He will join us after this. Kevin Weeks of ESPN is with us today doing the uh, podcast from his shower. Now that, that's not nice. That's not well, nice. What is that background? It's 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 fancy. That's what it is. It's fancier than what we got, you know. Actually, this is this is one of the few times I don't see only half of Kevin's face because he's using on on Twitter and on Instagram. He's got this he's got this Kilroy was here concept of he's going to shoot breaking news and he's he's only you only see from the nose up and everything like that. You're the worst photographer, cinematographer in the history of breaking news, Kevin. Come on. <laughs> Hey, listen, not all of us are fortunate to work on all elements of TV or broadcasting. So, so <laughs> like you guys. So, yeah, that's that shows you my uh, my artistic impression and my amazing cinematography that I have. <laughs> here's a little here's a little hint. Just put your face right in the middle. I don't care. I don't care that you're on the streets and, and we hawking. OK, I don't no, care. We, we could care less. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little Bobcat's bit about ready. Bobcat's ready to dive in. Go ahead, Bobcat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk ready, a little bit about the um, the Hall of Fame inductions. You played against Luongo and the Sedins. Tell us a bit about uh, all three of them, really. Let me start by telling you, having played with Luongo uh, with the Islanders briefly when he was just 19, I remember seeing this guy at the other end of the net, right? At the other end of the ice, excuse me, in practice. And I'm looking at him like, is this guy really 19 years old? Is he, is this serious? Like he made it look so easy. He was so advanced. Guys could hardly score on him. And I was making these saves, but I had to try a lot harder than he was trying down at the other end. And we're born on the same day. A lot of people may not recognize that. We share the same birthday. I'm four years older than him, I want to say. But I'm watching this guy. I'm like, this guy looks incredible. And... I just thought right from the beginning that he was everything coming out of the Quebec League that they said he would be and more at that age in practice when we were playing with the New York Islanders. As it turns out, Butchie Goring, you know, I was a little, as I mentioned, I was four years older. Coach Goring, the legendary Butch Goring, really believed in me. I got to play more. They sent Roberto back, but it left a burning impression in my mind that this guy's this age, and yet still he looks this incredible. So anyways, we finished the season. We both end up getting traded the same day. Uh, a lot of historians might know that, or some of the historians, we get traded the same day. And I'm like, I can't believe the New York Islanders traded this guy. They traded me first. Mike Milbury called me and traded me. I was at the gym at Good Life Fitness at Victoria Park in, in Steeles. 
just about to work out. You don't get free. You don't get free time in the weight room if you mention the company. Okay. Just yeah, exactly. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. But literally, <laughs> my, literally, it was the one by my mom's work. Um, I worked, my mom worked at Blue Cross, and they had moved up to VP and Steels at that time to work. And so I, I'm going in there in the gym, and Milbury calls me. But then Luongo calls me. Roberto calls me shortly after. He's like, "Weeksy, I can't believe I got traded." I'm like, "I can't believe you got traded either." And the rest was history, man. He uh, was an amazing goalie, awesome, very unique, like six seven, six eight wingspan, athletic but technical, big game, great pro. Comes from an amazing family, uh, had a real lasting mark on the position as a young goalie coming up, a young Quebecer under, of course, the great Marty and, and Patty, yeah. Patty Law. And then as far as the Sedins go, well, hold on before you go, before before we go to the Twins, yeah was the fact that uh, i mean his numbers are prolific more than a thousand games was the fact he was so big part of that equation i mean his size and yet he was able to move so well able to move you know laterally and 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 but did he used his size to huge advantage at that point didn't he he totally did and and he was unique because he had that big size to your point which gave him range but he also had the technique from Francois Lair so he was well ahead of the time with the goalie coaching as well technically speaking and then he was a battler because he loved the great Grant Fuhr again he told me numerous times him like me Grant Fuhr was his favorite goalie going up he's like I love Grant of course Patrick and Marty and all those guys and but he said Grant was my guy so he also had that athleticism to him, which you wouldn't expect from a, a tall, rangy goalie in that kind of era, especially given the fact that he had the butterfly fundamentals. So, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I mean, Grant's style and Roberto's style, there's a little difference you know, when huge, you think about it. When you think difference. about it, huge difference. But what he loved is obviously his competitiveness, Grant's competitiveness, and Grant's glove hand. He loved Grant's glove hand. Glove, glove hand, yeah. The yeah. best, probably best glove hand all time, right? And so, so Roberto told me that and we were talking about it one day. I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. But I got to tell you, before we move on to the Sedins, a great part of Roberto was his family. You know, his his parents, his, his brother, they did an amazing job raising him old school. They worked exceptionally hard. He's never taken anything for granted. He's never taken the game for granted. He's never taken a practice, a nice session. He's really, truly committed to the game in every way. Even as a young guy, when we play together, as a teenager, he was, I should say. And I really, over the years, I got to see them and meet them, of course. Specifically, NHL Awards, probably about six years ago in Vegas. But more recently was at his retirement ceremony. I was one of his few teammates that he invited. I was very privileged. We were very privileged to be there. And just speaking to his parents and his brother and um, his wife and his kids and stuff, you could see that it all comes from great hardworking family um, that have earned everything they've gotten. And Roberto has that same approach to life. You know, I I, just, as as an aside, um, when they had the tragic high school massacre in Florida and, and I, 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 I used to be able to say hello to Roberto. We're not, we're not friends. He would acknowledge me in the dressing room and I would say, hi, Roberto. And he'd say, why are you here? And that's about, that was be about it. But the night that he spoke on the ice, the four or five days after, 
and he spoke from the heart and he i was i was not dumbfounded i was in awe of the eloquence the composure uh, the chosen word and he played that night i got goosebumps of you just talking about it and he played that night and that to me s- speaks volumes of what you're talking about is of him as a person mm-hmm. uh and i've never i, I you know it's it, i've always i've been dying to ask him about that night um because it 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 made a mark on me that I've, i will never forget as it, he understood the community you know, he had gone back. He he had he played there. He he it meant him a lot to him in the neighborhood. His kids didn't go to the same school, but they went to a, a school close by. And man, oh man, that it it changed. It actually changed my attitude about Roberto because I was thought we the facade we saw of Roberto was this happy-go-lucky. You know, my contract sucks <laughs> guy at the press conference in Vancouver. Uh, you know, his relationship with the media people, the uh, long-term ones like James Duffy. Uh, and you get that, but, but then you don't, you never see the serious side and you never see the workmanship side of a guy like that. Cause they don't want you to see it for one thing. Uh, and I was just utterly impressed with Roberto Luongo, the person that night. Oh my God. He's Sean, you know, on a global, on a global stage that that's something that people all around the world watch. And I'm glad you, you referenced it. It was very heartfelt. It was so compassionate, so honest and raw. And you guys have been around the, the games up and the sports for so long that quite often, you know, those of us in the business, we try to guard those things. We yeah. love to really deliver and over deliver where we excel. But some of those true interpersonal thoughts and feelings and characteristics, we just try to we just try to really conceal them for the most part. And I love your point because you could tell he was genuinely overwhelmed. And what's also very important about that too is, as I said, when you come full spectrum with parents that immigrated to Canada and started uh, as I would, but in Roberto's case, that worked so hard just for them to be able to make it in a new country, Mm -hmm. that's not lost on him. And in spite of all of his success and successes for him and of course his family at large, uh, and his wife's family is very successful. Same thing, very hardworking with their restaurant and their bakery down there in South Florida. They never forgot what that's like. and They don't forget what that's like. So in that moment, they're not just thinking about it from, hey, we're these successful people. It's, hey, we're neighbor to neighbor. We're standing shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. hand to hand with people from the community at large. And I thought that that was incredibly selfless and absolutely incredible to your point in the fact that he went on a play yeah. game it's mind-boggling my I, i'm getting goosebumps talking about it here at the house let alone yeah. getting yourself in that emotional and, and psychological state before starting an nhl game as a goalie unreal tell, tell us about playing against the uh Sedins. <laughs> oh my god those guys once they okay hit- first of all can you tell the difference Seriously, forget about 22 and 33. You can't use the uniform numbers. Can you tell the difference? No. Okay, good. I and, didn't and, this, and this is where I, this is where I was going. So they, they have this symbiotic, naturally, this symbiotic telepathic nature to them, biologically speaking, clearly. But then to see that on the ice. And if you think of so many of the great combos that you had over the years, whether, I don't know, it was Gretzen Curry or 
any era, right? We, we can go to any era, of course. Um, Hall and Oates. We can go to a lot of the great players, the great defensive pairs, you name it. Mm-hmm. Great goalie tandems, Grant Fuhr and Andy Moe, or whatever the case may be. In any era, and you see how well two players played with one another, how they had that telepathic sense of timing and spacing and, and reads uh, with the puck, off the puck. Those guys even did it at an even higher level, if that's if that makes any sense. Like, I think back to iconic moments, obviously, Canada Cup in Hamilton. Cops Coliseum, Canada Cup. You guys remember final game when it was Gretz and Mario on that goal. And just imagine, you know, the hockey IQ that those two guys were possessing at that time. Those guys were Apple before Apple. <laughs> it's like they had these different microchips that that processed things that they were seeing. And honestly, it was very similar with Daniel and Henrik. They played that two-man game. They had the low cycle. They had the high cycle. They had the give and goes. They had the down low plays off the goal line. They were just so unique in their ability to execute that. And can I, and consistent, I might add, and what a treat for those fans out, out in uh, in beautiful BC to be able to watch them play as much as they did. But can I tell them apart? Full disclosure, no. <laughs> no, 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 I cannot. Doing all those games out West for Hockey in the Canada or going out there for NHL Network, what have you. Those three guys, I knew Roberto because Roberto's my boy. I would see him in the dressing room <laughs> and I'd talk to him. I'd see Daniel, sorry, Daniel or Henrik or Henrik or Daniel, and I still didn't know who was who. Yeah, that's where you go. Hey, how you doing? Stalls just to see who they were. <laughs> well, and in fact, you, you just tweaked me to something. You talked about combinations. Yeah. You know, Daniel and Henrik get on three on three overtime. Oh, uh, comparable to Drysaitel and McDavid. Yes. You know, and yes, and Great and call. and and let and let's face it. You know, fifteen years ago. Totally. <laughs> so totally well ahead of their time. Yeah. That. That's a great point in the three on three, their possession, uh, the way that they would move. And what was really interesting too is our league, as you know, has evolved into being largely a speed league, right? Especially while Connor's a fighter jet on the ice. But, but as you know, our league evolved to be a speed league as it's known today. Mm-hmm. But those guys through the era and change or two eras that they played in because of their swoopiness and their ability to, as coaches like to say, go north, but they were very multi-directional. They were slow it down guys, multi-directional guys, and they almost got you in the spin cycle in the in the washing machine. So it was really fun watching those guys do their thing. They're great players, man. Two thousand, both of them scored a thousand points. Yeah. Uh, and 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 quite frankly, though, they were great defensive forwards too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they they played that classic two hundred foot game, and that that I think that's something that we don't give enough credit to at all, at times. I totally agree because everybody was just waiting to see what what they were going to do once they got in the ozone in the yeah. offensive zone. But you're absolutely right. Their defensive games they had really really good sticks, really active sticks as well in the defensive zone. And plus, they were those players to your point because they were so brilliant offensively. They were also able to translate a lot of that hockey IQ and that acumen in the defensive zone where some guys are so brilliant, but they're like, not me, man. I'm only applying that once we go North mm-hmm. of the red line and North of the, of the opposing blue line. Right. But these guys very like, and I think that that's pretty, that's also a Swedish trait 
when you think of some of the, the the really good Swedish players and the great Swedish players, they took pride and take pride in playing in their D zone, especially that generation. You know, of course, uh, Henrik Zetterberg being a great example, but there are many of them, mm -hmm. uh, including the Sedin boys. There are many of those guys that took pride in defending. Did, did you get yeah. a, you were playing in the league at the same time. Did you get any concept of, of how difficult it was for them to come to North America and play and, and, and what, what they were up against? You know, there's criticism, yeah. criticism and opposition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not only the great Borja Salming as we would have seen, as we're seeing right now during these Hall of Fame ceremonies, uh, you know, Borja and, and everything that he's going through now, of course, and we're all firmly behind him and, and alongside of him and our support of him in his crazy and, and such a difficult, debilitating battle. But a lot of that for those of us on the podcast that are young enough and old enough, because we well, all three of us are skewing that. Remember what it was like for Borja when he came. And sure. He had a rough ride. And you heard Sith, Daryl Sittler, and the guys talking about it all, you know, last four days, right? Right. Yeah. It was, and he's a, he paved the road for so many of these amazing Swedish players, um, all of them really. But all that to say, yes, it was very difficult for Daniel and Henrik because people, you know, people would mock them and then they would say, uh, you know, they, they would say derogatory things and they're soft and they're not this and they're not that and they don't battle hard enough and, they're playing like shinny and they, they, they had to, they had to endure and overcome a lot to your question. And, and that really showed, I, I know it from personal experience. So that really shows me a lot of their fortitude as well. And, and their belief in one another, their belief in their skills and, and their conviction as people It shows mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of jam. Cause it's not easy to do that, man. It's mm -hmm. not easy. For them to have played their entire careers side by side was a complete fluke if nothing else um here's an impossible question to answer i'm sure mm. if they had not played together would they have been hall of famers what do you think i think the skills obviously are the skills the ability the iq i say no and the reason why i tell you no is not as an indictment i feel that when you're going through some of the things that i just described i can tell you from experience it's a lonely place man that's a lot of phone calls home, calls to mom and dad, my sister, different people, um, just to be able to get support to help you get through some of that. Right. And the fact that you have your, you know, your 2.0, your 1.0 beside you there. Or your 3.3 or your 2.2. <laughs> exactly. Well played. Well played. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> and the fact that you have them there to be able to say, hey, man, are you feeling this? I'm feeling this. Did you hear what they said? You can talk it over. You can spend time together in the living room. You can grieve together. You can try to heal and grow together. Or, hey, did you see that play last night? I saw that play with Sid and Gino. Next thing you know, first thing in the morning, they're on the ice in van. They're replicating that play real time. Mm -hmm. They're you know they're learning a new skill or maybe a new wrinkle on the power play. So I definitely think if they didn't play together, not as an indictment to them that they wouldn't be Hall of Famers. Uh, but more importantly, I think the fact that they did play together offered them so much strength, not only on the ice, but off the ice. That's huge. We ne we'll never, I, I wonder if we'll ever see anything like them again. Agreed. You know, just be, you know, you know, no, when you think of ident with identical yeah. brothers to be able to play at this elite level yeah. in a different country, I mean, pioneers, unique, 
you know, uh, magnificence. I, I don't know what word you want to pick, pick if if not all of them. It it truly is one of the one of the great stories of hockey, or any or yeah. any sport or any sport. Can you imagine seen in any sport? Can you imagine having you know two point guards play on the same team, or a point, or a shooting guard and a point guard, and or or a quarterback and a receiver being brothers, uh, or a, a pitcher catcher combination in baseball? It, it, it's it's phenomenal to think that you can see that. Um, the other guy that is going in, uh, Kevin, might be uh, nearer and dearer to you, I would assume, because uh, we haven't talked about this, and that's Herb Carnegie. Yeah. Did you know Herb? I did. I got a chance to uh, – I, I, I spent some time at their house with, with him and his wife at the time. They both passed on. But I remember I got introduced indirectly, and I got to know – their daughter, Bernice Carnegie, who you've seen a lot of now. So I've gotten to know Bernice over the years. And I, with my charitable, my charity events back home, they were always one of my beneficiaries. So Future Aces Foundation was always one of the benefactors for my charity events in Toronto at the time. And then even in Barbados at the time, Bernice came. Um, getting the chance to know Bernice, obviously. And then her parents, her late parents, the great Herb Carnegie and his wife, Man, I remember they set it up for me to go over to their house. They lived not too far from our old place there. They were shepherd between Leslie and Bayview, mm -hmm. just by Bayview Village, right? They're opposite on the left side, if you're going east on uh, Shepherd, they were opposite the uh, Canadian Tire that's there by the Ikea and stuff. You're not getting free stuff at Canadian Tire if you mention it, okay? <laughs> nope. Just for the at least give me the Canadian Tire cash. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's all we're asking for, boys. <laughs> Come on, we grew up on the Canadian Tire cash. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I do remember going there and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I drive over and whatever, it's a five minute drive from the house. I'll be there. This is amazing. I'm so excited. I'll be there in hour hour and change i end up staying there almost nine hours wow <laughs> literally wow. almost nine hours in the living room just listening to them just listening to life stories hockey stories hockey equipment stories skates gloves sticks community stuff how they started the herb carney future aces foundation how they started what many believe to be is the first hockey school back in Canada and then power skating schools and having their future aces creed in a lot of the schools back home in Toronto, mm -hmm. becoming a championship golfer, becoming a great investor at investors groups, helping people secure their financial future. A lot of the difficulty, the pain that they had to overcome and to endure for him to play. And then of course, to be denied playing at the highest level, you know, seeing tears literally coming out of his eyes as she was holding his hand as they were recounting the story and, and then talking about his book, um, you know, Fly in a Pail of Milk. And just how it was such an interesting dynamic life story because you have so much hurt and upset and disappointment and then resilience, strength, Mm -hmm. ability to overcome community service, wanting to make the game better, wanting to make the game more accessible to kids, wanting kids to become better at playing it, helping them to do that, and wanting kids to be better educated and conduct themselves in a way where they could take some of the same values that I just talked about that him and his wife exemplified and lived. 
and they can apply it in their own life because everything isn't going to be easy. Um, there's are going to be disappointments and just a, a code of conduct. And I thought that it was, it was very, very moving. I'm telling you moving enough to where I was there for nine hours. Hmm. I was absolutely blown away listening to them. Yeah. I was blown away listening to them. So, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I wasn't the goal to, to get off onto this track, but oh, are we, are we, are we, as a game, are we better for it now? Is it better now? Or mm. how much more do we have to do? Mm. Um, I mean, things, things like putting Herb into the Hall of Fame, things like putting Willie O'Ree in the Hall of Fame are important. Very. But are we? But 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 are we? Are, are we? Are we doing these? Are these superficial things? Right. Or are we doing? Are we doing better? I mean, I and I, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, that's a appreciate you asking the question. I think it's a, a really not only fair and excellent question too. Let me put it this way. So growing up back home and playing at what was North York Centennial Arena at Bathurst and Finch, that rink was unreal. Even though they had Fincher's House League there, they had double A, single A, triple A, we never really played there at the time until unless we played makeup games. But a lot, again, a lot of people may not be aware of this. Sometimes the Leafs would practice there. Sure. You know that, right? Sometimes at least we practice at North York Centennial. Mm -hmm. And anytime you're on North York Centennial Ice, you're like, ooh, this is a big one because the Leafs practice here. Uh, sometimes, you know, you have tier two teams that are playing in here. This is kind of a big deal. And I never thought in my wildest dreams it would be renamed the Herb Carnegie Arena. That's the first thing. My last year at Midget, uh, we started playing. The Midget Loop would be playing there. Um, a lot of games at, at, at that rink. And then to see it become the Herb Carnegie Arena, I just, I was blown away by that. So now you spin it forward to the hall and to answer now, I think we're on a track where number one, there's some open-mindedness for us to be better. I think, <clears throat> pardon me, there's some learning that's taking place, but we have not arrived. We have not finalized yet. We've not reached the peak of understanding and being better as a league and as a sport specifically. So here's the point. This is what's, this is what the amazing thing about sports, right? Is let's look at this from a perspective of skating. Can we skate forwards? Yeah. Can we skate backwards? Yeah. Are our crossovers great? Not really. Are, are we super agile on our blades? Multi-directional? Not yet. So that's one of the things about sport, like sport and life go like this. And, and the reason why I reference that is as young players, we see those different skills and let's work on it. Let's be better. Let's be better. I can get better, more power skating, more mm -hmm. hockey school, more power skating, more shinny, more free ice, all this different stuff in the spirit of getting better. And I think that if I use that kind of as an analogy, we're on the road to getting better. We have an open-mindedness more so to getting better, but we can't celebrate and say we can skate like Connor. Not, ev not everybody has an open-mindedness, Kevin. Correct. Exactly. Not everybody. A hundred percent. You're exactly right. That is very, very true. And that's why I'm saying, like, it's not good enough to put up our hands and say, yeah, I could skate like McDavid. Or, hey, I can skate like Paul Coffey. No, we're not there yet. Yeah. There's a lot of work ahead yet, to your point. We got to take a break. We're uh, a little late on time. Kevin Weeks is with us. We'll take a pause and come back after this we're with uh kevin weeks who's uh with us from espn we were talking about uh, a variety of things not the least of which race in the national hockey league most recently 
are we close to getting to a point where the color of one's skin does not matter in the NHL, in your opinion? No, not close yet. We're, we're still in, in the earlier stages. I'd put us still in phase one of maybe four. And, and that's not a, that's not an indictment. It's just a reality. Uh, you know, Godfather, you just made the point when you're like, not everybody's open-minded yet. No. That's very true. And, and here's, this is why I tell you about sports. This is the thing, right? I want you to think of that Canada Cup 87 we mentioned. Think of some of the world junior we've seen. Think of uh, Olympics in Vancouver for example, right? 2010. I say this before, I didn't see anybody telling Team Canada to give the medal back because Roberto's Italian and he was in the net. <laughs> I, I saw everybody, jubilation, people were going bonkers. The same thing when the Raptors won. People were going bonkers. Same thing when the Jays won. I know, I told you guys on your show, I literally drove home from Owen Sound playing in the OHL, drove home from Owen Sound. We drove the two and a half hours back to Toronto, straight to Young Street for the parade. By the way, if it's only two and a half hours from Owen Sound in your car, you should have got six tickets. Yeah. <laughs> it was no bad. kidding. That was me, Storzy, me, Jamie Storr, and I want to say Luigi Kelchi. Uh, I'm not sure if we were in one of our cars or if Andrew Burnett gave us his 1985 brown Chevy Chevette. Oh, right. beautiful. Right. But, but literally, like, we raised home, man, and everybody, like, it was such a joy. So what I my takeaway from that is this. Success comes through people. And every one of us has a different background, um, culturally, where we grew up, neighborhood, religious, color, creed, faith, you name it. And when you do it together and when you have success together, the champagne tastes the same. It's the same champagne that we're all popping and we're all sharing. And so I think for the group, I get it. Right, the growth of the game. Yeah, but th this is this is a people. It all I don't, I don't think I don't view this as much as an NHL issue as I do oh. a, a game of hockey grassroots issue. Right, and 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 accessibility is one thing, affordability is another. Yes, and and I don't like we just we just haven't done a good enough job uh, at introducing the game to other people of other culture. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you, if you sit down with anybody in a, in a corporate marketing department of an NHL team, they'll tell you, we want to get these kids early and we want, you know, well, so well, let's, that, 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 that application applies to everything we do. And, and this is where, this is where I do think, you know, the, the governing bodies, yeah. you know, USA hockey, hockey, Canada, um, and the NHL and, and let's, and now let's call out the, the women's pro leagues as well yes they need they need to try to create better grassroots opportunities for all cultures to at least be able to put on a pair of skates to, to, to carry a stick uh and then and then it then it's incumbent on all of us to find a way to make it affordable that's the problem now it's too expensive and if you're if you have a choice Sorry to be on a soapbox here, but if, if you have a choice, if you have a choice between saying, okay, my son or daughter is going to play soccer because it, it takes sneakers and a ball versus I'm going to get them to play hockey and I have to pay how much, exactly. you know, God, you know, the days of the $10 hockey stick at the Imperial oil station, <laughs> you know, so, somehow, some way that stuff has to come back in order to get people to play the game again. Well, what I, you have to look at too is the mm -hmm. fact that, 70% uh, of the NFL 
players are black. Ninety mm percent -hmm. of the NBA players are black. Yeah. What percentage of the NHL players are black? You actually have the same number that we would have had at the height when I was playing, or slightly thereafter. The percentage hasn't really increased. Three percent. Three to five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd say three's probably right in around that neighborhood. And the thing that's interesting is it's not only black players, players of color, people of color, or indigenous or AAPI or, or young girls. We're just using, you know, different demos. Yeah. But ultimately, to your guy's point, a lot of times these parents are saying, oh, you're going to play volleyball? Okay, you want me to get you a pair of Asics Tigers volleyball shoes or you want the Nike ones? Oh, you're going to run track? No problem. I'll get you two pairs of spikes. Right. right. To your point, because it is so cost prohibitive and also, too, I can walk you guys through. Like, I'm very, look, in retrospect, I'm so lucky when we first, when my parents first came to Canada that we lived around St. Clair and Christie. For I'm going to give you the reasons. Just south of us on Christie Street is Hillcrest Park. As you know, mm -hmm. at the top of at the top of Christie, we used to have an outdoor rink there. I was on that freaking rink with my cousin and our guys in the neighborhood, wearing as I told you, wearing Cougar winter boots at the time. Sure. Then we sure. went further down Christie, and we went down to Christie Pits. And you know that's an iconic outdoor rink. It's still there. It has views of the city. Then if you go back up Christie and turn right on Saint Clair, you have the iconic historic freaking Saint Mike's Arena. And that's these. I, I couldn't be any more fortunate. And then, by a stroke of luck, my older cousin Ian went to go register to play house league at St. Mike's. My aunt and uncle let him play, and I literally begged my parents to let me play. But there was a string of all those things that had to line up. Otherwise, I'm not here today. And a lot of people typically they don't know what an arena is. They see it, they drive by it. They take the streetcar, they go by it. They don't really understand the process and to go to whatever hockey shop and get skates and get whatever they, they don't really know. I was so lucky in retrospect to have that. And a lot of people don't, or they don't really know. So you're right. You have to concierge people. There has to be a real concrete effort. And I don't want our game and I don't want the sport to, to be exclusive, like equestrian or dressage or, and I'm not damning any of those sports, but the sport is much better when it means a lot more to more people. And you have to start with kids and their families at a young mm -hmm. age. A big yeah. them. But we've been talking about the economics of hockey for 30 years, 40 years. Totally. And what has been done? And to your question, and that's part of why nothing has been done. Because when you start off with the numbers, that keeps the demographics what they are. But at the same time, you're hurting people. And what I mean by that, not only are you hurting them emotionally, you know, your, your parents going to the rink, they're Scottish, people are making fun of their accent or whatever the case may be. I don't only mean that, and I'm not um, undermining that. I understand. It, it's, self, it's like a self-inflicted kind of wound in our sport where it's like, hey, listen, the more this game means to more people, guys, I'm going to tell you guys right now, this will blow your minds, okay? Think with me here for a second. We live in Metro New York. This is now eight years since we moved back here. I am not kidding you. Our current, our new house, current house, we have a dead end street with a school and a huge football outdoor track. It's unreal, the facility, okay? Kind of like a varsity stadium back home, mm -hmm. the new varsity stadium. Yep. University level for home, right? 
I'm telling you, it's literally four doors down from here as I direct you that way. I have never seen any kids in Metro New York in any area play street hockey in eight years. Really? I'm telling you guys, if I was on my way to NHL Network, to studio, or to an event in the city or an appearance or going to Bristol, even if it would make me late for TV, for 30 seconds, I would at least stop, take a picture, acknowledge the kids, say something, give them a word of encouragement, say something. Guys, we've got, you guys know what the Islanders mean to Long Island fans in the history of the game. You know this. I don't have to tell you guys. You guys know the original six generational of the Rangers. I don't need to tell you. The Devils have been to five cups, one, three. The Flyers are the Flyers just south on the turnpike. I've never seen kids play street hockey here. Ever. With four NHL teams within an hour drive in either direction. Yeah. Never. Now, that, to me, that to me is a huge indicator right there, boys. That's that's crazy. Yeah, we, it, we, it's just, to me, I, I, I remember sitting with, uh, I was involved in the 1994 Olympic Winter Games in Lillehammer, and our biggest sponsor was McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to sit there with them and say, you know what you need to be able to do? If you really love Olympics and you love hockey, and we need to create a $99 package Brilliant. that you can go to a McDonald's, any McDonald's franchise in Canada, and you can buy a hockey package, skates, pads, sticks, just to get involved in the game. A hundred percent. Just to get involved in the game. But they would look at me and they'd say, $99. That's a lot of money. Oh, you think it's a lot of money for you? Imagine right. the imagine the people who you know are going to McDonald's and shouldn't be going to McDonald's. But that's another story, another another oh, no, time. No, no, but ninety nine dollars. I mean, but if if we could make the game affordable, yeah, somehow, some way, that I think we'd be a lot better off. And I and I do think that it would reflect more of at least in in our terms, our country. Kevin, you know, you know, Bob and I were in Vancouver at the Olympics and yeah. I, I, I go to every rink I go to now. I, I am absolutely thrilled at the makeup yeah. of the audience. Yeah, totally. It, it is Vancouver is reflective of the city. Edmonton is reflective of the city. Those are hockey fans. Winnipeg yeah. is reflective of the city. Winnipeg, Winnipeg did a Filipino night last week. I saw week, that Filipino a week ago, last week. Yeah. And and it was a huge success. We need to we need outreach to create these opportunities across our country for fans and then to have kids play the game. You know what? To your point and great points by you. I don't know if I've told you guys this before. So my parents have been in Canada, well, my mom longer than my dad, but let's put it my dad's been in Canada for like 53 years, okay? My dad can't skate. My dad's never put skates on. Yeah. Do you understand this guy is still at Chesswood Arena back home? I just, <laughs> we're shooting something for our boy Henrik Lundqvist last week, who's next up in the hall. We're shooting something for Lundqvist. Literally, man, I drive to Bristol, do ESPN stay over that night, drive back, race back to the city, go into the to the hotel, shoot this thing for Henrik that he's working on. I see Dan Girardi in there. And then I got to drive home, change, shower, go to NHL Network, okay? This is the point, though. Dan Girardi comes up to you, he's like, BC, 
yeah, what's going on, man? Bra, 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 bra. You know, he's with the Sabres now and doing a really good job with their young D and stuff. And he's like, how's that Chesswood, man? You saw your dad last part. If I had a dollar for everybody that sees my dad at freaking Chesswood Arena. Now, <laughs> I don't have any kids that play at Chesswood Arena anymore. I'm always indebted to Chesswood and St. Mike's. I would Absolutely. never. Always indebted. But my dad's here all the time. He can't skate. Yeah. But he just wants to talk to parents and talk to kids and let them know it's possible and what the opportunities are in the game. And it's his part of his way of getting back, giving rather giving back and, and, and not forgetting how important the game is for us and wanting to share that with people. So other people kind of feel comfortable in their own journey, wherever they may be from. So it's, I mean, sometimes we, we bust his chops. Like my mom's like, Carl, it's snowing outside. It's snowing hard. You're going to drive up the 401 to go to Chesswood and go up Allen road. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. And you guys, I'll tell you, and I love that you mentioned this is reflective, right? So, so I try to bring my dad to like all-star game and then COVID happened. And what it does the last time was, was all-star in St. Louis. And I'll bring him to, to, to uh, Stanley Cup because it's around Father's Day. I'll bring him for two games. Did you guys know? Anytime. So let's go back to, to all-star in LA, right? So, you know, it was Staples Center and the whole thing, LA Live, the whole thing. So we're at the JW Marriott. So I'm like, Dad, blah, 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 you have any U.S. money? Hey, blah, blah, Put some money in his hand. Probably just gets off the plane. Air Canada, blah, blah, I'm like, Dad, I'm going to the rink. If you want to come, we're at this part of the rink. Otherwise, I'll see you in the hotel. So he comes over to the set a couple hours later. He's like, you know what, man? Stuff's really expensive here. When I'm at Chesswood, I can get a coffee and, 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 and a hot dog. <laughs> it's affordable for the parents. You know, I can get a hot dog and a coffee for like four bucks. Or if I go to Timmy's. Now that I'm here, I'm at the JW Marriott. I go into the lobby. It cost me like 11 bucks already. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Dad, that's the whole point. You're not at Chesswood or whatever. <laughs> but but it just goes to show, right? Just that's really that, as you talked about, in here. Yeah. It's, it's in here. That's that's what it is back home, man. So I'd love to see more of that and more investment from corporate partners. And you know what? Think about this, guys, to your point. Maybe one of the fallouts from some of the stuff happening with Hockey Canada on a go-forward basis is you can kind of restructure or start anew in a corporate partnership where they engage in something like you talked about, that 99 game, that $99. Well, so, by the way, let's give uh, let's give the Players Association credit. It's it's a drop in the bucket, but Goals, goals and Dreams, dreams. Goals and dreams have, has yep. been very successful. Absolutely. Uh, but we need Goals and Dreams – you know, a hundred times over All is what time. we need. We need goals and dreams a hundred times yes. over where they give equipment to underprivileged people or to communities that don't have it. We we, we need to, if, if we expect the game to grow, if we expect the game to thrive, by the way, your dad and I have a lot more in common than you think, because yeah. I can't skate either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, both of you know the game, man. So I'll never question you guys. You both know the game. So I'll never question you on that. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, it'd be nice if one of those corporate sponsors of Hockey Canada or former corporate yeah. sponsors like Scotia Bank or Canadian Tire, or, you know, invested some of those millions of dollars that they put in Hockey Canada that they're sitting on right now. Exactly. Maybe it'd be nice if they did something a little more like we're talking about. Yeah. hundred percent. That'd be tangible. Like think of, I don't want to limit this because you guys know, and I've got family, half our families out West. I'm, I'm, split now between the Toronto kid and, and Western Canada. 
uh, based on our family. And from coast to coast, let's just put it, because I've been coast to coast. And, and a lot of people, again, this is might come as a surprise. We've got family in Whitehorse. So, <laughs> my wife was actually born in Whitehorse before moving to Alberta. So from Whitehorse all the way out to PEI, Newfoundland, whatever the case may be. Just think of all the people. And I'm not only talking young girls and boys, right? Mm -hmm. Think of teenagers. Think of young, early adults, just even on a recreational level. Yeah. To be able to play. Doesn't even pick up. Shinny. Once, sure. twice, a week, once twice a week. Shinny, there's a whole bunch of benefits, you know, health and mental and everything else that you're going to get from it. But it just also increases your emotional buy-in to the game right? That, that, that emotional buy-in. That's why I, I kind of contrast here from like, gee, freaking this metro area, you got 30 million people. So here, here's what you got to do, Kevin. You got to go down, you got to go down to the Dick Sporting Goods and, yes. uh, and uh, you got to go and uh, go buy a net and, uh, and I'll send you 10 sticks, cheap sticks and uh, put them out on the yard, put them out on the street and see if the kids will pick them up. You're exactly right, man. You're so, <laughs> it's so true. You I haven't seen a ball hockey game start one. I that, that's right. That's right. That's right. Tell you, if, if, if you do that, I'm yeah. coming down to play ball hockey. Deal. Because I can still yeah. run. I can't skate, but I can still run. Not well, but I can still run. Anyway. Uh, no, it's true, though. Deal. Like, that's, you know, you can't. It's our the sport in itself and sports in general. I love them all yeah. uh, in different ways. But hockey is it, it's such a unique sport in so many different good ways. <laughs> terms of the game and life lessons and family lessons and personal, all the different stuff. But the more you can share that with people, I'm telling you the better. And here's one thing too, that a lot of people don't realize as well is there are a lot of people that might not look like you, that might not sound like me, that might not look like me that are freaking talking the game. Like the guys, time. especially with technology, I'm sure you guys get it all the time because you know, all the stuff you guys are doing, I'll get direct messages literally watching in mexico city hey weeks watching in guadalajara in mexico hey watching overseas in afghanistan like you it's it's crazy i got a guy i got a guy that follows me on twitter asks me questions all the time he lives in brazil there you, there go. you go there you go so there you go like it's i got a question before we go what so weeks if we play ball hockey i know you play goal or you play I knew out. you're gonna do that i knew you're gonna you ask play me out that. don't you I'll play out now. I might do what, <laughs> what Roberto did at the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll play out now. But listen, hey, Bobcat, I know both of you guys have deep checkbooks and pocketbooks, so we might Ooh. be able to make it work to get me in, in between the pipes. We might be oh, able to. No. <laughs> hey. well, I, I used to play ball hockey with Paul Matier. Oh, oh. He would never play goal. Really? Never, ever. Tell you what. Hey, Bob. Wow. I, love I, I, I know Kevin's oh. agent. I know Kevin's agent. Never get him to talk about money because we can't afford it. Okay, okay, I got you. Period. End of story. End of story. Oh, man. <laughs> Wixie, we got to get out of here. All um, right, floaters. But listen, thanks for having me on. I love we love you, baby. Guys. You too. Yeah. I'm happy to come on any and every time. So just keep <laughs> We'll ask you again. Buy the net at, at Dick's and put the sticks out and get the kids to play. Make it happen. I have to. I have Start to. a ball hockey game. Totally. Kevin totally. Weeks. Thanks, we'll be back in a moment. Have a great one, fellas. Well, our thanks to uh, Kevin Weeks for being with us. It's yeah, and, all, always yeah, fun. I needed to get a, a, a map of city of the city of Toronto because 
I, I was going to connect the dots. I think he talked about every community. Well, you know? just about, just about. <laughs> I mean, we had the 401 going. I mean, God, my. Kevin Weeks and Geography of Toronto could be a good new podcast. You yeah. Know? Neighborhoods yeah. of Toronto with Kevin Weeks. <laughs> uh, speaking of hockey, um, the Leafs without two experienced defensemen for the next while. What does that mean? Well, they haven't had Muzzin other than four games anyway, and he's not really, this is, you wonder if this is the end of the end for Jake. He's not, they're not even going to talk about him for another f- three months now. They're not going to even look at him until February. Yeah. Um, Brody. But they're going to miss, they're going to miss TJ Brody. He's got an oblique issue. Uh, they're going to miss him. Uh, the, the, it was already a paper thin blue line, Bob. And anytime we talked about the Maple Leafs in the last little while, it's always been, well, you know, the forwards are good. You know, goaltending could be a question mark, but, uh, but you know, the defense is really, really the, the, the key to this. And now with, with, with Brody gone and who knows for how long that's a, that's another big challenge for them. I, you know, this is this is where you're going to have to stress team defense and a ton more pressure on Sandine and Lilgren, who's played well, and and uh, obviously Morgan Riley and and, not... and Mark Gier, and 39 year old Mark Giordano, who I think yeah. everybody had envisioned not be uh, w- wouldn't be in the NHL by this time of year in 2022. Now he's an important part, piece of the defense. Huge, huge, yeah. and they really can't go out and get anybody, can they? Well, they do you no, know, because they've already they've already basically used that cap space that for Muzzin already. Yeah. Uh, and now they've got the the challenges. Their two uh, fr- uh, frontline goaltenders are on the verge of coming back, so that means some of that cap space gets used up, particularly yeah. for Matt Murray. So there's not much you can do other than what you've developed um, in the American League or other places. So that that will be a challenge. They're you know. Their their forwards are their forwards are going to have to carry this, and they're going to. And when I say that, the forwards are going to have to play and help help play defense too, and use that team defense. They're still fun to watch. By the way, did you, uh, I, I we talked on Friday about the Salming thing, and I know Kevin mentioned it briefly. Did you catch the Salming stuff? I saw. Yeah. Oh my God. Heart wrenching, Bob. It was heart wrenching. Where? I, I, in fact, I. I uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna have a, sh- a short period of time this week. Uh, we're gonna get Mark Curtin on to talk a little bit about it because Good. it's an important issue. Uh, and uh, as as Mark has said uh, many times, we we don't advocate enough for it, and this will give us the chance to advocate a little bit. Well, he was a um, he was a wonderful Toronto Maple Leaf and oh. very popular, no question about it. But this sort of brings it all together. Is yes, it does. the tragedy that uh, he that has befallen the, him. The human side of sport, Bob. Very much so. Uh, again, our thanks to uh, Kevin Weeks for being with us today. We enjoyed it very much. We'll have more later this week. We hope you'll uh, come back again. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan, we'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.